Welcome once again to the Biohackers podcast. This is the fifth episode. Uh, biohacking is the art and science of optimizing your biology for its fullest potential. My name is Teemu Arina and uh, here is... My name is Oli Sovjärvi. I'm a medical doctor and uh, I'm the scientist man here. Yeah, so I'm, I'm the technologist <laughs> and he's the human, so I'm the technologist. Yeah, he's the cyborg, I'm the man from the nature. <laughs> so today's guest is Ben Greenfield. Uh, he's uh, just an amazing, uh, extraordinary biohacker. We're going to get right into the interview just in a moment. But before that, I'd like to remind you of the Biohacker Summit coming on the 24th of September in Helsinki, Finland. Uh, it's going to be an amazing conference on everything about biohacking, quantified self, life hacking, optimizing different aspects of your life. So your exercise, your sleep, your nutrition, your mind and your body <clears throat> do its fullest potential. So uh, I welcome every one of you there. So it's biohackersummit.com. Check it out. But without further ado, I would like to introduce our today's guest. So Ben Greenfield, who is one of the speakers at Biohacker Summit as well, He's an ex-bodybuilder, personal trainer, an Ironman triathlete, Spartan racer, and uh, among many you other things, <laughs> you just name it, he's the man. He's the author of a New York Times bestseller, bestseller, Beyond Training, with the subtitle Mastering Endurance, Health and Life. And uh, he's definitely also someone you should go to for advice online. Uh, on biohacking and bengreenfieldfitness.com. He's an, he has an amazing podcast. <clears throat> so uh, Highly recommended for my side. Too. Absolutely, absolutely. It's one of my favorite ones. So it's a great honor to have you, Ben. Sweet. Um, Thanks, guys. I'm glad somebody other than my mom is listening to my podcast. <laughs> you got six listeners. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, so I'd like to kick off and ask you, what got you interested in all this biohacking business and optimizing your biology? Yeah, well, I guess if I had to choose one sport uh, of the different sports that I've done, um, because I, I've competed in, in athletics since a pretty young age, it would have to be um, Ironman triathlon. And the reason for that is because it's a sport of attrition meaning that you cannot just have good balance and power and speed and strength and endurance and go out and do well. You actually have to have a pretty good understanding of how to, uh, how, how to fuel in a way that allows you to get past the point of glycogen depletion and be able to still survive and keep moving. And then the other thing that you have to know how to do is how to manage your time somewhat just because You know, unless you have 30 to 40 hours per week to train in, in say, like an aerobic zone, which, which certainly is one way to increase mitochondrial density, um, you, you got to figure out ways to train that actually maximize your time. So, you know, I started doing Ironman, I guess it was 2007, and that sport really got me more interested in like, okay, how can I, how can I hack results? How can I achieve, um, you know, kind of like the minimal effective dose of exercise? How can I begin to use uh, supplementation in a manner that allows me to, for example, spare glycogen stores or enhance fat oxidation? So um, I would say probably that. And then also, even before that, you know, I was a bodybuilder and bodybuilding is, is obviously kind of like a bro science sport of geekery where, you know, even though I didn't really understand a lot of the more advanced supplementation concepts when I was a bodybuilder, I certainly did start to study things like creatine and nitric oxide and, you know, why drinking red wine and eating dark chocolate backstage would make you more venous and how to do like sodium depletion phases so that you could, you know, sodium load and then uh, retain extra glycogen, lose water, cause the muscles to look more tight against the skin, those type of things. So, You know, for me, I would say probably the top two ways that I got into biohacking initially would be Ironman triathlon and bodybuilding. And now, to be honest with you, I don't care that much about getting jacked or even about doing Ironman, right? Like I'm, I'm kind of past that phase of my life. And now more of my, my interests lie in um, happiness, longevity, anti-aging, and some of those things that you start to think about when... Uh, when you get to the ripe old age of being past 30, like I am now. So, yeah. So you're beyond training. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like I like I title my book, like all the things that kind of go beyond exercise, you know, hormones, digestion, sleep, stuff like that. It is interesting that many people on the top of their game, they usually master a specific art. And once they're on the top of the game, they sort of abandon the weapon, the sword, in a way, and uh, go completely weaponless. Uh, you, you, you just figured out where the top of the mountain is and uh, you are beyond that phase and it's time to trans, uh, transcend in a way. And uh, so you, are you more into longevity nowadays? Well, first of all, that was very poetic. Um, Damn, we I like that. <laughs> I like that. Um, and uh, the, the second part of your question, what did you ask me? Am I beyond what? Yeah, I mean, are you now more into longevity? Yeah, I, I'm certainly into framing optimum performance and going out and just, do, I don't know if I can say this on your show, but going out and doing cool shit, right? Like like climbing your own personal Mount Everest, going out competing in an obstacle race or, or doing something that is an adrenaline rush or a thrill-seeking event for you or some way to put a notch in your belt but doing so in a way that still allows you to maintain longevity, right? That doesn't take years off your life or months or days off your life. Um, so, so yeah, like the optimal balance, I know this sounds woo woo and airy fairy or whatever, but the optimal balance of health yeah. and longevity and performance. So, want, so yeah, I, want, I certainly do think quite a bit now when I make choices about whether or not it's going to affect my long-term health. Just a, like a continuation to that. What's on your bucket list in terms of uh, extreme things to do? Um, <laughs> it's a tough question. Uh, I, I would certainly like to, um, you know, I was talking about, with my wife about this last night. So it's fresh in my mind. There's certainly a lot of animals I'd like to hunt that I haven't had a chance to hunt. Um, I know we were joking about polar bears when I come to Finland. I don't think I'm actually going to hunt the polar bear. have no desire to, to, uh, hurt or kill an endangered animal, but you know, things like, uh, gri- like uh you know grizzly <laughs> uh going going on like uh safari over in africa doing like bighorn sheep mountain goat stuff like that so i'm certainly interested in getting a little bit more into um hunting animals that, that i wouldn't necessarily you know, I'm, i'm not a big fan of like trophy hunting as much as like hunting for practical purposes like meat but that's certainly up there on the bucket list i'd like to do a lot more climbing um i'd like to uh, go down to yosemite potentially even do something um, I've got Mount Rainier in my backyard, like five hours away and I haven't gone out and climbed that. So I'd like to do a little bit more um, mountaineering. That's another one that's on the bucket list. And then, um, you know, it's, I kind of look at life as a series of moving targets and a lot of times stuff will come across my radar that I never would have thought about doing before. Like right now I'm signed up for the universal athlete challenge in uh, next July, which is like, 10 to 12 miles filled with 180 different obstacles of everything from like basketball to lacrosse to football to swimming to, you know, climbing walls to cycling and mountain biking, like you name it. Yeah. And, um, you know, that never would have been on my bucket list if you would ask me a year ago. But now I think that's pretty damn cool. And it sounds like a lot of fun and something I like to do and something I like to win. So, it, you know, ask me next year and I don't know, maybe it'll be golfing. Who knows? Yeah. That sounds like uh, condensed CrossFit games, like but in, in a smaller like time frame. Uh, you mean like this Universal Athlete Challenge? Yeah, yeah. It's it's more like because I, yeah. I follow the CrossFit games, but of course different sport. But that's yeah, uh, exactly. But like the CrossFit games, right? You're not having to like serve a uh, you know like do a tennis serve or like shoot a three point basketball. So, and that's my one beef with with CrossFit, for example, or really a lot of these sports: triathlon, CrossFit, cycling, running, swimming. They're not sports that necessarily require a great deal of like balance and hand eye coordination and strategy yeah. and just like being able to like throw a ball and play with the team. And, you know, that's something that I grew up doing, right? Like soccer, baseball, basketball, tennis. And I find myself missing some of those sports after having gone through that phase of my life where it's just like exercise, exercise, exercise. Yeah. So that sounds like a cycle. You go start here, then you experience these things and you go back to where you began with. 
that's what yeah. I yeah. And when it when it comes to longevity, right? Like that is that is part of it. Always constantly challenging your mind, challenging your body, challenging not only your muscles at different angles, but also your neurons at different angles. So I'm a huge fan, not just of doing that from an exercise standpoint, but everything from like guitar to poetry to music to uh, to to reading to language, like always throwing curveballs at your body. Right on. Uh, I personally, I've been interested in doing more natural movement kind of things. And uh, it's sort of like going back to childhood in a way to to climb into different places and uh, learn all kinds of jumps and Ninja. uh, ninjas uh, <laughs> climbing. Yeah, exactly. Like like two things I just put in my I put a, a big line of two by fours that rather than just like riding my bike up in the mountains and hammering, I just see if I can ride down this 30 foot long beam of two by fours and stay on that beam on my mountain bike. Right. So you know, totally different activity, but one that challenges my mind. And I also just put up a 25 foot slack line between two trees and I'm working on my slack landing skills. Right. So always kind of experimenting with that stuff rather than just like, you know, how much can I squat or how yeah. far can I run? When uh, I have a serious question, what what's the meaning of life for you? Because you're experiencing and experimenting all these things. So can you yeah. answer that? This stuff is all surface shit, frankly. It's yeah. fun, right? It's 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 ways to to maintain happiness and to keep yourself entertained and and you know, and part of it really for me is is business too, right? Like I I I pay the bills by being somebody who who goes out and figures out ways to allow the human body to achieve things while still maintaining ideal health, right? Like that's how I put food on the table too, in a certain way. But ultimately the meaning of life is to serve others, to love others, to help as many people as possible and to give people meaning in life. Um, you know, the, the purpose of life is not to, to go out and, and like achieve happiness for yourself, right? We're not a bunch of pieces of flesh flying through the planet trying to, to figure out how to survive or how to stay happy. Really, the meaning of life is about leaving this world a better place than you found it and serving and loving as many people as possible while you're here. So well, thank, thank you for managing to, to – uh, Give me the chance to say about the most woo-woo thing that I that uh, I'll probably say during our entire <laughs> best, episode. Best, best ever. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the hamster wheel is endless, and yeah. you can go so far, right. with it, which is nowhere. <laughs> so. And ego is never satisfied, so you gotta find that deeper, deeper meaning. And serving is it's perfect. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, this is a good passage to go get into all this uh, woo-woo stuff more. So, um, <laughs> how about the meditation practices and routines uh, that you... Oh, yeah. Well, up until this point, my meditation practice has been uh, primarily focused on three different things. Um, the first is when I wake up in the morning, I'm getting a little bit of echo, a little bit of feedback. You guys getting that? Nope. Okay, I could I could hear myself talking. Um, I can hear myself. I can hear myself. You know how it's slightly distracting when that happens. Um, anyways, though, I'll, I'll try to talk through it. So basically, the uh, the first thing that I do is when I wake up in the morning, I roll over, I grab my uh, my Bluetooth chest strap. Uh, you'll I, I use one that measures RR intervals, so I get the amount of time in between. We need QRS so that I can measure heart rate variability. And I roll over, I put on that chest strap, I open up my heart rate variability app, and I measure the strength of my sympathetic and my parasympathetic nervous system. And because I'm I'm all about doing, you know, more than more than one thing at a time, being productive, while I'm doing that, I journal. And while I'm journaling, I do deep nasal breathing. Sometimes I'll do alternate nostril breathing. Sometimes I'll do box breathing and then I follow up my journal with prayer. And that's like my, my morning routine. And then later on in the day, I will either do a set of box breathing and that will typically be before workout four count in four count, hold four count out four count, hold. 
and I follow up the box breathing with hyperoxygenation, right? So deep breaths in, short, shallow exhales. So I'm essentially holding on to CO2. So I'm increasing nitric oxide production, increasing pressure into capillaries, basically hyperoxygenating tissue prior to doing a workout. Right, so box breathing where you visualize the workout and then hyperoxygenation beforehand. So I consider that to be another form of meditation. And sometimes when I'm doing that, I'll visualize like a like a power animal or a state or a color or something like that that I want to rely upon as a source of energy during that workout routine or during that activity. And then the last thing is sit spots. This is more of like a like a Native American type of practice where you will find a place. My kids do this as well. You find a place out in the forest or out in nature and you sit and you focus on four different senses, sight, smell, uh, the, the feel and sounds. Right? So, so feel could also be considered smell um, or, not, or not smell, but more like uh, feeling the air, sensing humidity, stuff like that. But basically you're trying to open up all your senses where you simply sit quietly and and watch nature. So very, very similar to like the the Japanese concept of Shinrin-yoku or forest bathing, which is shown to, you know, it's been shown to do things like decrease levels of salivary cortisol, increase happiness, increase focus, increase gratitude, even increase memory. Uh, but, but it's a little bit more of just like a passive sitting practice. So that morning practice and then the box breathing slash hyperoxygenation and then the sit spots. And just this week, um, I didn't know you guys were going to ask me this question, but but just this week I started a transcendental meditation course. So I've had uh, three meetings so far with my instructor. Transcendental meditation involves you being instructed and given a mantra. You repeat that mantra over and over again, kind of subconsciously in your head as you sit for 10 to 20 minutes twice a day. And the amount of research on transcendental meditation, or, or TM as many call it, if you look into it, is pretty staggering when it comes again to like decreasing cortisol, increasing focus, increasing memory, increasing productivity. So that's something I can't say. I've probably done, I think I'm at eight sessions now, actually these, these 10 to 20 minute mantra sessions. I can't say that I've, I've done it enough to where I can comment too much on the improvements that I've seen, but it is kind of interesting. Like your, your hands feel very large. I typically get like a little bit of tingling at the top of my head. I get very relaxed focus, similar to what I get if I'd taken like a, like a neurotropic or a smart drug for several hours afterwards. Um, it's kind of cool that, that I can achieve all that without the use of any exogenous chemicals. So, um, yeah. transcendental meditation is, is probably by the time I make it out to the biohacking summit there in Finland, I'll hopefully have close to like 25, 30 sessions under my belt and we'll be able to comment a little bit more uh, intelligently on it. We did a quite extensive review of uh, the physiological and psychological benefits of uh, meditation in our mind book. Uh, that is one of the chapters in the biohackers handbook series, which is now, I think the whole thing is totaling 500 pages and a thousand uh, references, mainly meta-studies on different things. We finished already the sleep chapter, mind, uh, nutrition, and we are now working on uh, exercise. Uh, any one of the listeners who are interested in that work, biohackingbook.com, it's uh, coming out in English. We start to release some of the chapters in English. Those, that material is already available in Finnish. But I'm, I'm totally with you right there, uh, that these different forms of meditation, they have real physiological effects that can be felt um, pretty quickly and uh, some of them are more long-term things that uh, also show uh, structural changes in the brain and depending on what type of meditation practice you uh, dive deep into, what you focus on. If you focus on, like Ben was explaining, the different sensory experiences of sounds and smells and, and so on, that changes different areas of the brain compared to, let's say, uh, Buddhist kind of all-loving kindness meditation where you focus on on all loving kindness or compared to the kind of zazen or or just focusing on your breathing uh, pranayama techniques and so on uh, so uh, th those things are extremely beneficial and useful there is a lot of um, research on transcendental meditation as well yeah so as you said uh -huh. um, mind overrules any supplement so you get like for example blood pressure like mindfulness meditation 
30% decrease in blood pressure and pulse. Mm -hmm. so that's, that's something you don't get from a pill or, or like a beta blocker or, or something. So Yeah, yeah, exactly. Getting more inside yeah. out than outside in. It's, it's, I like that. Hmm. Have so, you guys so done anything like uh, like holotropic breath work at all? I've studied it. Uh, I have the book, uh, but I have it would require like a group session. But I know the basics, and I've uh, yeah. tried it myself. Like actually, yeah, you know, over fifteen years ago, and I had these weird experiences, and now I realize. Yeah, that's about it's. It's about the closest I've ever like. In terms, like I, I haven't done uh, ayahuasca. I also haven't done mushrooms. Um, I've, I've done pretty high dose THC, and amazingly, just a ninety minute group holotropic breathwork session took me way farther into stepping outside my body, looking down on myself, and almost seeing myself um, as like looking out over the universe and all the people, seeing the meaning of life, hearing voices in my head. Uh, it took me deep, deep into the zone doing this holotropic breath work, which is basically hyperoxygenation, yeah. hypoxia, and then also uh, music that's set to each of those different series of breath works. And you're just over and over again for 60 to 90 minutes. So that's something I recommend people look into to experience at least once. It's pretty interesting yeah. stuff. You can actually like uh, strengthen with, with, with the laughing gas. It's N N two O. That that was yeah, my experience, like like way back when I was in medical school, and uh, I actually I wanted to try this very fast breathing, which happened to be the same as it was in holotropic breathwork. So that was interesting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there is there is a lot of things to uh, to be gained from different types of meditation practice, and I've also had like some uh, guided meditation sessions with. Um, uh, extreme breathing exercises that have totally taken me where you are uh, explaining now, and uh, yeah. it's 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 totally interesting where where you can get with with these kind of techniques. I I consider uh, these archaic techniques of ecstasy in a way um, from yoga and and uh, different meditation practices as actually the those were the original biohackers and yoga for example is. Uh, uh, is one of the like ultimate biohacks. I yeah. mean, those guys developed that to be able to sit long periods of time. So yoga was uh, yeah. sort of one of the one of the sort of uh, stories is that it's it was originally developed in a way to prepare your body for these long periods of um, meditative practice. I would say that yeah, the, I've been I've been doing quite a bit of yeah. yoga. Um, I've, I've been doing daily sessions in infrared sauna with yoga. I was telling you guys about this before we started recording. I do like a higher dose niacin exercise session to preheat the body. Then I go into the infrared sauna and do about 30 minutes of, of just a basic flow yoga inside the sauna. And um, it's, you know, it's a lot different than just doing regular yoga. I also wear the, uh, the elevation training mask when I do that to strengthen my diaphragm and my inspiratory and expiratory muscles. But that's kind of a, a session I've been hooked on for the past few weeks. Hmm. Um, well, well, you mentioned niacin and uh, some of these techniques. Have you found like some other like supplemental combinations with specific uh, practices or exercise uh, especially interesting uh, and beneficial? Um, gosh, you know, there's there's the basics, right, that we all know about. Like, you know, I, I do five grams of creatine daily for its neurotropic, and also it's its strength and power effects. Um, uh, as far as far as during exercise, some of the other ones I've found to be those things that you can actually feel pretty significantly. Um, the niacin definitely in terms of opening up the pores, uh, it also enhances lipolysis. And so that's that's something that pairs quite well with like an infrared sauna session where you're, you're getting a little bit of a flushing effect and also basically fat cell apoptosis really or fat cell lysis. Um, another one is is a beet, like a beet juice powder, or beet juice extract, some really interesting studies on both cognitive performance and focus during exercise. And then um, I, I, that, that's another one that I noticed significantly. It's one you don't notice until you've been loading with it for about seven to 14 days. But I literally have these little cans of, of beet juice and I also have little beet juice powder packets that I use now as 
one of my go-tos pre-workout just because, I mean, it's, yeah. you, you feel the difference um, in terms of vascularity and also uh, oxygen capacity pretty significantly with that yeah. one. So I'd say creatine um, beats niacin for a little bit more like the detox flushing type of effect. Um, you know, I've, I've experimented with a lot of others. Uh, you know, another thing that I've been doing quite a bit with has just been like basic mushroom blends, right? Like cordyceps, rhodiola, stuff like that. And the main reason for that is a lot of my sessions of late have been with the, uh, the generator made by Hypoxico called the Everest, which is like a Hypoxic air generator that I've been wearing during treadmill, during incline treadmill sessions at like 30 to 40% to prepare for the Spartan World Championships, which are in October. And those are in Lake Tahoe, which is that elevation. And cordyceps and rhodiola both, you know, those are things that are used by like the Sherpas that guide people up Everest. And they've got some some pretty good data behind them as potentially being good for uh, for altitude performance specifically. So those are a couple that I've been using prior to those sessions. Both are like some of my real favorites. Uh, so I'm, I'm happy to hear that you also find those useful. Cordyceps, its ability to increase oxygen intake is, is tremendous yeah. for exercise. Yeah. And uh, rhodiola to me is is, is one of the best uh, adaptogenic uh, herbs, really, to help cope yeah. with stress. And oh, there's uh, there's a, there's one more too. The uh, amino acids would be the last one, like essential amino acids. Loading with those um, for me, I'll be straightforward with you. Like the amino acids for me, a big part of those come down to similar to, to, to really any source of protein or calories in general, the ability to delay central nervous system fatigue, uh, to even potentially compete for tryptophan in terms of, of binding to receptors and causing fatigue during longer exercise sessions, but also just like the, the ability to be able to maintain high blood levels of amino acids in the absence of a high number of calories, right? Because I do, because the sport that I'm doing, I have to be cognitive weight as well. So I like amino acids as, as kind of like a hypocaloric way to maintain high levels of amino acids without the intake of a lot of protein. Right on. In Finland, by the way, you can find uh, rhodiola rosea in, uh, in nature. Uh, if you go to Lapland, you can probably find and, and get some of that stuff. There is some companies in Lapland who make, um, make some really amazing yeah. rhodiola extracts. Uh, so there is and tinctures. There's, and tinctures. tinctures yeah. I, I like more yeah. tinctures because I... For me, they work better, but also different kind of extracts. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Um, there's a company uh, here in the U.S. in Vermont called Urban Moonshine. I just interviewed uh, the guy who does a lot of their formulations for an upcoming, like a rhodiola cordyceps tincture for endurance. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, now I actually remember the name of the company. That's Arctic Warriors. Yeah. Arctic yeah. Warriors. Like, yeah, that that really fitting name. Nice. Uh, that, another one that's really popular here is chaga. Chaga is uh, is is a yeah. well-researched medicinal mushroom. Very good for. Um, uh, and, and by the way, all is all is drinking. Is that, that. Yeah, is that the, the four sigma foods? Yeah. Chaga. Yeah. 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 I, I have that. I, uh, I put it over Today. ice with chocolate stevia and make like little chaga tea. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Today I had nice. this thing. This is. Pakuri kahvi means chaga coffee. So this is a blend of chaga and coffee. Chaga is, to my mind, very synergistic in taste also with coffee. So mm -hmm. it really widens yeah, the taste. Yeah. So, so what kind of supplemental things do you, or just nutritional interventions do you deploy for fighting inflammation? I mean, you are, you are a beast in terms of exercise and, you know, getting things done. So you, you must have a lot of like really advanced strategies to deal with that. Um, I wouldn't say they're they're too advanced. I mean, I'm I'm a fan on tougher days of using a real form of curcumin. I use the curcumin phytosome. It's made by a company uh, uh, Mariva over in Italy makes it, and then a bunch of different supplements companies will use that form of curcumin. Like I use the Exos curcumin, but but you want to look for like curcumin in its phytosomal form for absorption. So that's one that I use. I also use curcumin in a nanoparticle form. Um, combined with uh, cannabidiol, and that's usually in the evenings. And that, that's actually supplement that I designed in Oids. And they're, they're 
in a very, very small nanoparticle form combined with uh, the cannabidiol extract. And then there's like lemon balm and, and ashwagandha. What's, and that. what's That's the benefit of those uh, cannabidiol is, is more for the smaller doses focus. So it actually, it stacks quite well with a lot of different smart drugs. Like I actually like, uh, the, like a CBD alpha brain stack for like cognitive performance early in the day, but, but that's only with like 10 milligrams of cannabidiol, but at higher doses, like closer to 40 milligrams, it's really efficacious for sleep and relaxation. Um, if you do use THC for THC's like creativity enhancing effects, which I actually like for writing music, stuff like that, like five to 10 milligrams of THC. The only problem is the slight psychoactivity, paranoia, sometimes a little bit of social awkwardness that can accompany that. So CBD helps to offset some of that too. and basically works as an antagonist to some of those effects of THC. So, um, I like that blend with curcuminoids. Uh, as far as inflammation goes, a, a few other things. I've, I'm usually in cyclic ketosis. So most of the day, um, I've got ketone values of anywhere from about 0.8 up to about 3 millimolar. And that, that in and of itself, right, like not having high levels of blood glucose creating oxidation is, is quite efficacious for keeping inflammation at bay. But then towards the end of the day, I'll do about 150 to 200 grams of carbohydrates from sweet potatoes, yams, rice, wine, etc. And that'll be more towards dinner when I'm in kind of like a post-workout, really insulin-sensitive scenario. And I mean, very, very simple concept, right? Just carbohydrate restriction. What's that? So you cycle it like uh, the beginning of the day and the middle day is more like ketogenic and then at night time. Exactly. So I, I'm in ketosis most of the day, which is really nice in the morning and stuff, especially when I'm when I'm focusing a lot more on cognitive tasks, etc. And then later on in the day, I'll, I'll do my my carb load, which helps with glycogen restoration for the next day's workout, and also helps to keep it bay a lot of dysregulation and testosterone deficits, the the joint and, and mucin production issues, etc. That can come with. Um, excessive carbohydrate restriction in very physically active individuals. So um, another another one that I'll do as far as controlling inflammation is I'm a huge fan of wild plant foraging just because plants that have been exposed to environmental stressors have really, really high levels of endogenous antioxidants. So, you know, I'm usually at 20 to 25 uh, portions or servings of plants each day. You know, I'm surrounded out, out in the forest behind me by, you know, everything from, uh, you know, wild mint to plantain to, uh, you know, a bunch of different like grasses and dandelions and stuff like that. So I'll just go out and pick some random wild plants. I'll throw in a few from the garden, right? Like a romaine lettuce or a kale or like a beet greens or a, a Swiss chard or something like that and just, you know, put those in smoothies and salads and things of that nature all day long. So I do a huge amount of plants, typically with, with really, really high levels of good oils as well, like avocados, extra virgin avocado oil, extra virgin olive oil, etc. And, uh, you know, that's really efficacious for inflammation as well versus like the more paleo-esque, you know, bacon, eggs, yeah. beef approach. <laughs> same, same, same here and definitely fats, been able to extract many of the useful phytochemicals and other things from the plants. Now, um, just to go back, Ben mentioned uh, cannabidiol, and uh, I mean, Ben is in the U.S., and that's sort of opening up there in terms of uh, uh, cannabis research, and, and uh, in some some uh, parts of the U.S., it's uh, sort of available. And uh, uh, so there is many, many things to cannabis, for example, uh, beyond the sort of psychoactive compounds and parts, and uh, uh, the way how uh, these things can work on uh, the cannabinoid um, receptors and the, the systems in the body are uh, beneficial, especially for uh, pain yeah. modulation and also inflammation modulation in, in, in greater extent. And many people, for example, in Finland, when they get a flu, they have a, uh, they have echinacea, uh, which is actually also working on the cannabinoid uh, receptors with this sort of an interesting thing. Um, and uh, so, but I, I'm looking forward to what kind of research is coming out from, uh, from, from now the fact that 
people can talk openly about these things more so yeah. i also believe these things will spread from us to uh, rest of the world in a way hopefully so, here in finland yeah. too because we are usually it's like 20s, it's really years pretty late. easy to do a lot of these recipes yourself too i mean like um you know you, you can decarboxylate any of these these buds of plants that you grow yourself or that you purchase and that's simply you know a baking process of 30 to 60 minutes and once it's been uh, decarboxylated what happens is, is the the TAC becomes more active and the CBD depending on, on the strain that you're using and then you can combine that with like turmeric or curcumin you can combine it with like coconut oils grass-fed butters things like that and literally just like make anti-inflammatory snacks that, that uh, give your give you a lot a lot of those psychological benefits as well you also you also mentioned that the plants need to sort of fight nature bacteria and molds and mm-hmm. they will they will develop all these uh, complex uh, compounds that are beneficial to us i'm a big fan for that particular reason of medicinal mushrooms that grow on trees that need to fight year over year the environment as well as roots like ginger and uh, curcumin and all those things uh, ginseng yeah. uh, seem to produce um, really really beneficial compounds to us and it's sort of interesting that actually our dna is sort of like we are 85% mushrooms actually as humans so there is the same yeah. same things that the mushrooms produce are are useful in some case for us for our immune system and and so yeah uh Golden seal or berberine is another really, really good one you're going to find in, yes. in a lot of roots. Yeah. I've got one growing outside. It's called organ grape. Um, and and the, the berries themselves are edible. But if you dig up the root, you know, you, you scrape away some of the outside of the roots, you basically have some really, really um, potent uh, berberine-like substance that you can make like teas and things like that for antiviral, antibacterial activity. So, yeah, roots are... are uh, pretty untapped resource a lot of that stuff then uh what what about uh algae algae i have uh, mm-hmm. i don't know if you've seen this it's e3 live yeah it's from like yeah, i've heard of it I, i haven't used it before is it yeah. spirulina or chlorella or no it's it's neither it's actually uh if I, if i can pronounce the name um i don't know if it even says here it's it's called afa it's fresh frozen algae so it's it's um it's not chlorella not spirulina it's supposed to be even more beneficial and more nutritious so it's kind of new interesting for me and it, it's in frozen form so uh if you get yeah yeah uh, well i mean as, as you know one of the very very few sources of plant-based dha that's actually you know absorbable versus you know like the, the ala that's in all the yeah. chia seeds and flax seeds etc it's called afanitsomenon flos Aquai. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. We we're gonna have some of these products at the Biohacker Summit. There's a company coming over who has so a boatload of E3 Live and, and other yeah. other crazy stuff and so on. Um I mean Yeah, I use I use algae just about every day. I mean I'm a huge fan of, of seaweed and sea derivatives in general for their mineral, iodine, slime, etc. But for the DHA, um, I use a lot of organic chlorella and spirulina. And you still haven't turned into green, like Hulk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. From the inside out, the Hulk. Yeah. So uh, that's that's quite a bit of supplements and food. But um, we have a few questions for you. And uh, what's your favorite like workout routine? You, do you have favorite routines you like to do, or like favorite workouts? It varies depending on my goal. Like because I'm training for Spartan and obstacle racing right now. The two skills that are most beneficial for that particular sport are grip strength and the ability to run up very steep hills, right? So a typical workout for me might be I'll, I'll put on the, the hypoxic air generator and I will hike slash run on a 30 to 40% grade and then I'll get off that after five minutes. I'll grab a couple of sandbags, like 50-pound sandbags, carry the sandbags around the property, alternating between the shoulders and the grip and then come back to the treadmill do more treadmill and then i'd finish a workout uh with with something like hanging from a rope for maximum available amount of time after doing a set of pull-ups to increase your grip strength right so 
That sounds fun. A lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's fun, I guess, if you, depending on your definition of fun. Um, <laughs> For me, it is. But yeah, I mean, that, that, most of my workouts now, honestly, it's hanging from a rope or a bar, carrying a sandbag or walking up a steep hill, right? Like that's, um, that's, that's, that's Ghost. workout. But honestly, like, like I mentioned, like that sauna deal, um, that's one of my favorite workouts right now is I literally will do 30 minutes of flow yoga. And, and that's just like the basic chaturanga pose into four different series of lunges, uh, with the elevation training mask at an ungodly temperature in the infrared sauna on high dose niacin. I'll finish that up with a dip into the cold pool. And I mean, like, you know, when we talk about something a little bit more passive, um, as far as like less stressful on the joints, but still able to get a huge amount of stress resilience, heat shock proteins, cold shock proteins, nitric oxide production. Uh, Right now, that's one of my favorite workouts. I just feel like a million bucks after I do that. You mentioned that you are using uh, all these, I mean, you're stacking up all kinds of biohacks that you can uh, sort of get more out of uh, the exercise routine. Uh, So you you are uh, constricting your breathing, you are... You are using niacin. You are using all kinds of things. You are in a in a heated room. So, um, what else have you experimented with, like uh, why, uh, whole body vibration plates, uh, el- uh, electro stimulation? What other things do you use yeah. to drive, you know, overdrive? Yeah, one interesting one, like on the on the treadmill that I'm on right now. This is a manual treadmill. It's called a true form treadmill. It's really impossible to run on unless you're leaning forward using a mid to front foot strike and so it teaches your body how to run with really really good form the reason that i use it in my office when i'm doing something like podcasting is because there is no manual motor so there's very very little lectin produced by a treadmill like this but and we have somebody bouncing up and down now that almost looks perverted um anyways though uh one of the things that we'll do <laughs> it's kind of kind of a cool workout uh is i'll run on the treadmill i'll do a set of running on the treadmill in short sprints but i'll use one of the electrical muscle stimulation devices on the upper body i'll usually go arms or shoulders or chest where you'll get a really really high amount of electrical muscle stimulation to the upper body and you walk while that's going right so you can just use the ace bandages to put that around the body and then as soon as that turns off then you run Right, and then you stop, and you start walking again. Once the upper body gets stimulated, then you start running again. Once that turns off, that's kind of an interesting workout if you like if you like biohacking because your upper body gets this huge pump. Your heart rate stays up by doing these sprints in between each pump. And if you have like joint pain or you have issues with exercising, like a lot of weights, or you need to like let's say watch a documentary for work or listen to a podcast or something like that, you, know, you can be right there on the treadmill, upper body lower body heart rate um kills a lot of birds with one stone so that's one that i like um another one that i do is uh cold water pool workouts where you'll take a weight into a pool i've got like one of these 19 foot underwater pools that i keep at about 55 to 60 degrees you'll take a weight in there you go hypoxic and you swim back and forth under the water with the weight, right? You can do five to 10 repeats going back and forth, holding the weight to your chest as you kind of like tread water with one hand and then switch holding it to the, to your chest with the other hand, treading water with the other hand, using your legs to propel you. And then while you're recovering, you can do like explosive squat jumps up out of the pool. You can do hypoxic sets swimming back and forth. Occasionally I'll get out of the pool. So I have a kettlebell beside the pool. We'll do kettlebell swings, then get back in the pool and keep going with the cold repeats. So that's another kind of cool workout is combining resistance training with cold and hypoxia. Yeah. That's another one that, that really does a good job at increasing stress resilience too. Wow, those those are like never mentioned in our podcast. And I actually first time I hear these combinations, really cool. Hmm. Definitely have to try it, try this out if, if, if possible sometime soon. So, yeah. thanks. That's yeah. what happens when you're like me and you live out in the middle of the forest with a bunch of biohacking toys and you try and figure out different ways to, to, uh, to yeah, exercise. I, I, guess, I guess sometimes just having all this technology around makes you even more motivated to go out and do all yeah. those exercise routines. Uh, Bruce, Bruce Lee was uh, notorious to use uh, electro stimulation and to use that for recovery. He was original biohacker as well. He actually did also all these moody 
blend. So he actually threw a bunch of meat and some eggs and water in a blender raw and drink all of that. So here's a protein shake for you. It's a paleo shake. Uh, before nice. I, put, I put my dog on the diet before. That's a, that was a great <laughs> diet for my dog's like hair and it, and it made the dog stop farting and stuff like that. It's like the, the it's called the barf the barf diet. Stands for something, something raw food, something animals raw food, but it's literally just like you blend up kale and beef and vitamin K and oils, and that's your dog's food. Yeah, I guess so. we have to become animals again. Uh, can you uh, maybe uh, throw out a couple of uh, like tricks that you do when you go on and make your smoothies? So, what sort of like th- things do you like to like do? Like the there? big ass green smoothie. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just like some strategies there. I mean, the, really, the crux of a of a smoothie is is your your really good wild plants for your antioxidants, like we talked about, and then some form of oil, right, like coconut oil or grass fed butter or full fat coconut milk or something like that. Probably the most unique thing that I do with my smoothie is I blend it very very thick, right. So you have to basically like eat it with a spoon, and then I'll put lots of textures on top that I don't blend. Once I finished blending the actual smoothie, like, like coconut uh, flakes, coconut, coconut flakes, and cacao nibs and stuff like that. The other thing that I've been doing lately, because of uh, recent n equals one experimentation that one of my friends sent to me, is limiting the amount of curves when you blend, because blending produces a lot of friction and heat. And it turns out that vitamin C can inhibit a lot of that from occurring. And starting with a cooler temperature can also inhibit a lot of that damage from occurring. So what what you do is you take vitamin C, right? Like you like squeeze a lemon or you could use like some food grade absorbic acid. And you blend that with a little bit of ice water, with cold water. And that's the base for your smoothie, right? So you've got like a vitamin C enriched cold water blend to prevent heat and oxidation from occurring. Once you begin making your actual smoothie, then you put in all your smoothie ingredients and you begin the blending. So it's just like a little pre-step to help keep excessive oxidation and damage from occurring to the foods. Yeah, that that sounds really good. Um, I have here some. Uh, uh, this is uh, a pine sap, I guess. So this just uh-huh. you know, a lot of like a lot of goodies there. In Finland, we have yeah. uh, the real luxury of clean nature. Uh, I like. I wonder how that. they uh, how, how they process that because I have tons just, of pine sap growing outside, and and I've I've thought about its nutritional qualities, but I haven't found out a way to extract it. You just uh, at the right time of the year, which is in the spring, you stick uh, a hole in the in the pine, and it will just uh, leak out from there, and uh, you, you just uh, collect it out. It's uh, it, it's a very short window, just like collecting pine pollen. Yeah. And so it's not too thick and, and sticky. It's um, it's more like water. I mean, it's uh, it has a lot of uh, uh, yeah. micro yeah. nutrients there, it's got like uh, glucose, uh, about two two thousand nine hundred thirty milligrams per liter. So not much. That's so much. Do they use like an alcohol? Option? Does it show on there? Uh, they're like uh, amino acids. Uh, Applause, it um, doesn't say anything in the like, I guess there is a lot of like these trace minerals, and yeah, so I think I, coconut water is coconut water is something that people use to um, just uh, restore some of the. Yeah, the, the, there's the, actually quite a bit of uh, calcium and actually uh, potassium, 220 milligrams oh. per liter. So that's that's quite a bit. Magnesium, 11 milligrams per liter. Not that much, but. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's an amazing base for a smoothie, definitely, to start yeah. with that. Yeah, cool. I like it. In addition to having some uh, some spring water. Yeah. Right. So, so you're you're also a family man. I mean, uh, uh, you you raise uh, raise beautiful kids and so on. So, how do you like fit that kind of uh, thing into the equation of being this uh, crazy high performer? Did you ask me a question? I, I, you broke up there for a second. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, in terms of uh, being a family man, uh, do you? Uh-huh. How, how how does that go along with um, still kicking ass in terms of uh, business and doing all these exercise routines? So, how do you keep up with the routines now that you have small kids? 
a lot of times I double up, right? Like if I'm doing a workout, my kids will have like a miniature version of that workout. Like they have little kettlebells, they have little sandbags and they'll do like little rounds of whatever it is I'm doing. Sometimes I'll use them as a way. Like if I'm doing hill sprints, right? Like go grab my kid rather than one of my sandbags. It's that whole like Greek mythology where you get stronger as the calf grows from a bowl. Forget which, uh, which Greek god or Greek hero that was who stronger every day but i figure by the time my kids are 13 i'll be pretty jacked from carrying them up <laughs> you're gonna um, be a bodybuilder again absolutely <laughs> yeah and, uh, you're gonna be jealous to your kids and uh, but anyway uh, there's some good good yeah. stuff i mean he's gonna yeah, so i'll do that and then like a lot of times if i'm gonna go like if, if i'm taking them to tennis right like at the tennis club i'll have them in lessons but down the court next door i'll just hit off the ball machine right so i'm there with them they're doing their thing i'm doing my thing since i have to drive them there anyways right like i might as well make the best use of their my time while the other parents are sitting there watching you know i'm off doing you know get, getting better like last night you know i took them to muay thai so while they were at muay thai i was doing a jiu-jitsu class right next door so you know basically just trying to figure out ways and adjust your timing your calendar your schedule etc to where you're introducing your kids to fitness and making them a part of your fit lifestyle while also being, you know, mildly selfish and figuring out ways that you can also keep yourself fit at the same time. That sounds perfect. I'm, I'm about to have a baby in uh, January, so uh, it's going to change my life. So <laughs> thanks for the tips. Yeah. Or yeah. if you're like Ben and you just yeah. keep on exercising <laughs> no matter what. <laughs> Uh, so uh, yeah. if, if you had some books that you would give to your kids to read uh, when they grow up or right now, I mean, what would be like the like key books that you have read that have changed your thinking and life uh, or just, yeah. you know, inspired you? Yeah. For, um, for, for finances, I would say one really good one is Poor Charlie's, Charlie's Almanac, written by Charlie Munger who is kind of like uh, uh, Warren Buffett's right-hand man, Warren Buffett being one of the really wealthy investors over here in the U.S. That book just has some really some really basic principles in it for investing. And then also, more importantly, many comments on um, logical errors that humans make when making decisions. And it teaches you how to avoid making those logical errors when analyzing investments, making financial decisions, etc., So poor Charlie's Almanac. There's another one that's kind of similar in terms of just like um, human fallacies, um, kind of like irrational psychology that that humans show, et cetera. That one's called Seeking Wisdom. Uh, I forget who the author of that book is, but uh, both of those books are pretty good, kind of similar in that they outline uh, our failures, specifically uh, like logical decision failures that humans are hardwired to make based on our evolutionary instincts. How to identify those and then overcome them. Um, so th those two for like worldly wisdom, of course, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of of the Bible for just like basic spiritual wisdom and knowledge. And then as far as um, maybe other more modern books, uh, you know, I, I, I cannot uh, get past recommending my two favorite books that I return to over and over again, works of fiction. Uh, C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia and J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings series. You know, those are indispensable in my library. And then, um, gosh, what else? I'm, I'm always reading so much. So uh, I've got a new author I just discovered named Hugh Howey. Um, one of his more famous books is called Wool. Uh, that's, that's a fiction series, but that one's really good because I'm writing a lot of fiction now. So I'm trying to to read fiction to, to keep my creative wheels churning as far as that's concerned. Um, what else? Probably you're writing also one yourself, um, don't you? A fiction. Yeah. Book. Yeah. Yeah. It's called the forest. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, <laughs> no, it's not like, forest. <laughs> it's like, a, it's a fantasy fiction book with my children as the two main protagonists, actually. Um, I'll, I'll throw, I'll throw a couple others out there. I would say, um, starting strength by Mark Ripito for just uh, appreciating the value of lifting heavy things and doing so in a biomechanically sound way. Um, 
Deep Nutrition by Kate Shanahan for a really good uh, science-based treatise of eating a diet that's that's really low in inflammation. Hand-in-hand uh, hand with that, The Perfect Health Diet. I'm also a huge fan of for like uh, nutrition books. And then um, finally, for more of an, an overarching view of like nutrition, fitness, life in general, I like uh, Anti-Fragile by, by uh, Nassim Talib. That's another really good one. So I figure that'll, that'll keep my kids busy for at least a week. That's a, that's an ex- excellent, awesome list. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, we are, I think we are running out of time. I don't want to keep you for too long. Uh, but um, anyway. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hungry. It's lunchtime here. Yeah. You guys have had me walking about two miles on this damn treadmill. Have a banana. <laughs> yeah, you, you, are, you are coming to Finland for the Biohacker Summit, you, one of your favorite books, uh, Tolkien's books. Um, uh, there is a new book coming out of Tolkien, actually, like some kind of lost chapter that is actually based really? on uh, Finnish mythology, yeah. Finnish mythology, Kalevala. So Bainamön and this, uh, this uh, really, really interesting guy. Uh, you should uh, actually read the Kalevala. I'm sure. I mean, I mean, you will. Can, can you guys? Can you guys send that to me? If you if you email that to me, I'll I'll check it out yeah. for sure. Yeah. I, we absolutely yeah. will send you a link on that one. So you're most welcome. So if anyone who's listening is not yet convinced to come over, so if you want to learn more from Ben in terms of biohacking, he's going to be there. And uh, if you want to learn something about Kalevala, <laughs> it's the Finnish <laughs> mythology, some real serious, uh, it's even better than any Viking mythology. So check it out. Um, but uh, I, I want to continue actually with the last question in uh, as a continuation to how you would teach your kids. Uh, so besides what books to read, uh, what are the kind of things that you have learned in your life? Um, the things that you have maybe read or experienced uh, yourself uh, through uh, trying different things. Uh, so what would be the kind of like the tips or tricks that you would hand over uh, to them? And, you know, do these things and uh, you will have to live a happy life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I tell my kids that there are three things to come full circle and get all spiritual and woo-woo again. There's there's three things in life that uh, are important for for happiness and meaning. Um, number one is to be doing something that you're passionate about, right? And so for me, you'll notice that I seem to like jump tracks a lot and flip over to new chapters in my life because I focus on writing, talking, studying, and learning and um, orienting my business around things that I tend to be passionate about at the time, right? So you won't find me right now doing a lot of like books about triathlon or even, you know, a lot of like triathlon training products because I'm not really immersed in that right now. That was another chapter of my life. Right now I'm doing a lot more kind of like obstacle racing and hunting and longevity type of stuff because those are like passions of mine right now. And, you know, maybe in, in whatever, you know, a decade or so it'll be, who knows, golfing or adult diapers. I don't know. But, you know, that like always, always find something that you're passionate about and be okay with that passion kind of changing. Be okay with life being a series of moving targets. But so long as you really enjoy what it is that you're studying and what it is that you're you're pursuing in business, that's one important thing. Um, the next thing is to uh, never underestimate the one thing that in all of these books on blue, jumps, blue zones and longevity and anti-aging, has been shown to be the number one prevailing characteristic for uh, increasing longevity and happiness, and that is love and relationships, right? Like always developing solid love and relationships. And we were talking about this at dinner last night. Like one one basic principle to live life by is don't let the sun go down on your anger. Meaning like when you go to bed at night, all the relationships and all the people in your life should be a-okay, right? Like you should have yeah. just like good relationships and you shouldn't go to bed bitter or angry about something or not having talked honestly about someone. You know, we even have in our house a sacred space that we can go to where anybody in the family can say anything to anyone about something that really bothers them about that person or something that really upset them about something that they did. And it's a safe place. Nothing can go outside that space, outside that room, that's a place where those kind of conversations are appropriate. So basically love relationships and making sure that those are really flowing smoothly in life. And then finally, we are all living a part of a greater story, 
that story has already been written. Whether you like to look at yourself as a character, acting in a movie, looking down upon yourself, and ensuring that the decisions that you make are the ones that you would you would be rooting for the for the good main character in that movie to make, or whether you like to look at your at your life as more of like a book, as more of a, a story again that you're living out. The ultimate idea is that when you look at life that way, not only does it let you make better decisions because you see yourself as living out a story rather than making unmindful decisions on the spot, but you also have a little less apathy, a little less propensity towards depression or a feeling of um, helplessness because you know that no matter what happens, there is a certain amount of like fate and story and predetermined purpose in life, you know, returning to the analogy I used earlier, you're not just a piece of flesh floating through the planet who's going to just die and be gone someday, right? Like we're all living a part of a greater story that has been designed by this higher power. And our job is to simply do the best that we can to serve and love others while we're here doing that. So live your passion, have love and relationships, and know that you're part of a greater story. Those are the three main things. Amazing. I mean, wow. now that was some poetry right there. Definitely. <laughs> Thank you. That's, a, that's amazing. amazing ending to it. So, uh, I mean, there is no way to summarize that. It's sort of like uh, life is a series of moving targets. You can ponder those in a locked room somewhere. And uh, as long as you make out of here with a good story, you're going to be awesome. <laughs> That's a good one. There you go. uh, so thank you very much, Ben, and uh, looking forward to meeting you at the Biohacker Summit. Uh, I mean, infinite thanks and regards to you and your family, and, uh, and, and looking forward to meet you soon. Definitely. Thank you, Ben. Oh, See you in a month.